Hi, this is Michelle, and I am here to bring you hope today. I have a son and daughter-in-law who are currently recovering addicts. Hopefully, for a while now, they they can and maybe stay clean and sober. But this journey has been a really, really long one. And on my journey, I have immersed myself in books, in support groups, and other things just to just to gain knowledge on how I'm supposed to behave and what kind of things I should and shouldn't do. And because I'm on this journey, I love helping other people with the information that I am gaining from this journey. And so if you're here because you have an addicted loved one, well done. You want to do something different. You want to be able to help your loved one in the right way. And if you're here, I hope that you can garner a little bit of information that will make you a little stronger. We're all in a different place on our journey, but I, I just I just want to say that you're not alone. And this isn't easy. If it was, there wouldn't be any addicts, right? It, it, we would all know what to do and how to do it, and we would just wipe it out. But unfortunately, that doesn't happen because when love and care and concern for our loved ones gets in the middle, it kind of clouds the issue sometime. Well, the book I'm currently reading is called Don't Let Your Kids Kill You. It's by Charles Rubin. Don't let your kids kill you. Don't you love that title? (laughs) Charles Rubin, he shows parents how to reclaim their power, balance, happiness, and lives. And I don't know you, but I'm pretty sure that you would love to reclaim your power, balance, happiness, and your life because living with or near or in around an addicted loved one just sucks the life right out of you. At least it has me. Today, I'm going to talk to you about boundaries, where the line is, and how do you stay on your side. Just kind of talk about boundaries in general. But first, I want to start with a story. Recently, our son was in jail. And because this wasn't the first time, I surrounded myself with other people, mothers and fathers and professionals in the field who knew what I should say to him and what I shouldn't say. And when I first got the call, I was angry. I was so disappointed because he was leaving the next day for recovery. I knew that he wanted to get better, and as luck would have it, luck wasn't with him, and now he was going to be facing another felony. Um, and and I, I felt horrible for him because I know he's a good person somewhere in there. It's just the drug that's so awful, right? But when he called, it was really hard for me not to suck into his emotion. But some of the things he said to me was, this time is different. Okay. I'd heard that before, so I could kind of chuckle inside like, yeah, I don't think so. You have to get me out. And then he said, I have money to pay you back. I had heard that before too. Let me tell you, this kid did not, does not have any money. 
he doesn't own anything and he sold he even sold some of his children's items because of addiction and then he says he said my doc is here and if you don't come and get me i'll use again and i said your doctor's there <laughs> Because he said his DOC was there. Of course, I don't know all this drug lingo. DOC means drug of choice. So he's trying to tell me that there were people in jail that had his drug of choice. And then if I didn't get him out, you know, he was going to use again. And then he told me he was going out of his mind, that he was in isolation. He said he was sick. Um, and I thought, you know, Dad and I don't deserve to be treated this way. Um, he was calling every half an hour and it, it was so overbearing that one of the professionals I talked to said, you know, Michelle, you don't have to answer your phone. Oh, what a novel idea not to answer my phone. But for some reason, I kept worrying about him in jail. And honestly, I am here to tell you, if your child goes to jail, it's probably one of the safest places they've been in a long time because they can't hurt themselves or other people. They can't do drugs. They're not going to OD. So don't listen to it. But my point is that they will push, push, push because that's what we have allowed them to do. Setting boundaries is the most important step we can take to change the dynamics of our relationship with that loved one. So think of setting the boundaries to cut off the relationship with the drug instead of your child, if that helps. So what I'm saying is that, you know, if we say, well, we're just gonna cut off the relationship with our child, my goodness, we're parents, we don't wanna do that, right? But until they are off of the drug of choice, are they really our child? Because I don't, I didn't recognize anything, any part of my son when he's using drugs. So it was easy for me to say, no, 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 this isn't the son talking here. It's the drug. And I am going to cut off my relationship with that. Maybe that'll help you too. Um, all we can do is control us and make a conscious effort not to allow our addicted loved one to intrude upon us. So when we're talking about boundaries, where is that line? I want you to physically, if you can, if you're not driving, close your eyes and see, visualize a line. Visual, see your child on one side and you on the other. Okay? On your side is all your own business. It's your life. It's everything you're doing. It's everything you're not doing. And on the other side of that line is your child's. I don't want you to think about getting involved or interfering with anything that's his business or her business. Don't try to interfere. Don't try to stop anything because he or she owns it. It pertains to him. So that's the boundary. That's the line, right? Neither one of us, we don't have to like what they're doing and they don't have to like what we're doing. But we're staying on our side of the line and if they're choosing to do what they're doing on their side of the line, 
we're not going to let that interfere with our joy. From this point on, say that. (laughs) Yeah, in theory, it sounds great, doesn't it? It's just really hard to do. So our job is, so what, what can we do, right? What can we do? We can listen. We can listen. But here's the thing. We, as long as we can listen, but we cannot shame them. We can't ridicule. We can't yell. If there's going to be mutual respect for one another, the contact between you and your addicted loved one needs to be nil, maybe. Because, and this is how it worked for me, because I couldn't not yell, not shame. I I couldn't um, interact because I was so angry at seeing him destroy the life that God gave him. So I asked my husband, I shared this in one of my other podcasts, I asked my husband, hey, when they want to interact with their kids or us, will you be the go-to guy? Because you're, you're way more unemotional than me. And he's like, yeah, I'll, be, I'll do that. I'll be that guy. He said, but you have to give it up. And I said, okay, okay, I agree. And I gave it up because I needed to cope and save my strength and find joy in my day. And I couldn't if I kept emotionally. I couldn't, I couldn't stay on my side of the line, right? It's really hard. So our job is to listen. It's to say no to unreasonable requests. Hey, mom, can I borrow some money? I promise I'll pay you back. No. Come on, just a few dollars. No. Hey, mom, can you bail me out of jail? No. What about co-signing for a loan? You know, I need a car really bad, mom, because I need a job. No. No, unreasonable request, no. Detach, that's our job. So to listen, say no, detach. Understand that there's nothing you can do to change the behavior of the addict. So if that means you have to detach like I did, find a way to do that. And maybe you let them know first, hey, look, I'm, I'm really um, disappointed in your resistance to change and I'm struggling emotionally to deal with it. So the only way I can do that is to detach from any communication as long as you're choosing to use drugs. I'm out. You know, you could tell them that. It's okay. It's okay. Um, meditate. Meditate so you detach on the inside as well as staying calm on the outside. Your self-care matters. It's really important. Laugh. Laugh lightens up the tension. And sometimes, um, because our grandgirls are living with us, they'll look at my husband and I sometimes and they'll say, why is that funny? And I think it's because we've learned how to cope in finding the humor in certain situations. Now, I don't want you to think that we're sick people. Um, We're not going to be laughing that they're harming themselves. But we might laugh at their inability to see that no is no. I don't know. I can't can't give you an exact example right now, but we try to find humor, and I hope you can too. If you can laugh at your child when, when they call and ask you to bail them out of jail, you're doing well. I'm not there yet, but hopefully I won't have more practice at that to get better. Um, set higher standards to enforce the boundaries. What happens is when, when our 
addict, addicted loved ones sees that we're strong and they're hitting a wall and they're not going to get what they want from us and need from us um, when it comes to feeding their addiction, um, that's going to work. That's going to work. Um, they they want to see us strong. They do. They might not say that and they might cuss at us and hang up the phone on us and be angry because we're not giving them what they want. But in the long run, I promise that um, this will serve you well. And something else, I, I read this in the book too, and I thought this was so interesting. But throughout the years, it seemed like our son only called when he needed something. What about you? Does your child only call when they need something? Well, the author uh, of this book that, that I'm telling you about, Don't Let Your Kids Kill You, the author, Charles Rubin, he had addicted children. And one of the things, one of the boundaries he laid out for them was, he said, look, you know, um, when I talk to you, I ask you how you're doing. I ask you what's new in your life. We make small talk. But you never, you never do that with me. Well, let me tell you, that's going to change. Before we get into any needed conversation, you need to um, show me some mutual respect and common courtesy. And if I'm going to communicate with you, I expect you to communicate with me and have a conversation. So, hey mom, how's your pickleball game doing? I remember you told me you hurt your arm. How's it feeling? Yeah, I never hear that. It's like, it's like my life, he has no clue what's going on in my life. So what about you? When you're setting the boundaries, is that something that you can talk to your child about? Do you think that they really care about what's going on in your life? Or if they do, have they ever expressed that? Um, because oftentimes drug addicts are narcissistic or egocentric in that they're only worried about their world. And sometimes it's important for us to say, wait a minute, we have lives too. Let me tell you what's going on in my life. You might not care, but this is what's happening. So no, I'm too busy. Or no, if you call me at 10 o'clock anymore, uh, sorry, I'm not going to answer the phone. For us, um, mom and dad always wanted to call and come see the kids way too late at night. Sorry. Nope. Curfew is 8 o'clock. You either need to call or come before then or else, you know, we're not going to answer the phone. The kids aren't going to talk to you. Set those boundaries. So why, oh why, oh why do we all have so many, pro so many problems with setting the boundaries? Well, I'm going to share that right after this um, um, break in the action here. I need to pause for a podcast, um, podcast ad, if you will. But it's really important to know why, what are some of the reasons that we have difficulty setting boundaries. And I hope you'll hang on. I'll be back in just a minute. Stay tuned to learn and try to find out where you fall. What is your reason for struggling to form those boundaries, to draw that line and stick to it? What is it that you are struggling with? Hang on, I'll be right back.
Hi, this is Michelle again. Thanks for staying with me. I'm back and we're talking about boundaries today, drawing that line and how difficult it is to stay on our side and leave our addicted loved one on the other side without interfering, without um, trying to influence in any way because it's not going to work. It's not going to matter. And if we are to find joy in our life, we have to stay on our side and just not interfere. As long as they're resisting to change, there's nothing we can do. But it's really important. And I applaud you for being here because if you're here, maybe you're like me and you want to figure out, darn it, I want to be better at this boundary thing. And why do I struggle? Well, this author, and again, the book I'm, I'm reading right now is Don't Let Your Kids Kill You by Charles Rubin. One of the things um, he does is he points out some of the reasons that um, we don't set boundaries, why, why we find difficulty with that. Um, and if you're listening, you know, you want to change. You want to make your life more joy-filled. And doing the same thing over and over again is a definition of insanity because you expect it to change, but guess what? It's not going to. So we have to do something different. So you're here and that's a great first step. So the second thing is we need to become aware of how to change first. But before we can do that, we need to understand why we're struggling with this boundary thing and maybe look at ourselves with a new set of eyes. Um, maybe you want to ask a friend or somebody in the support group, what do you think I'm afraid of? Why, why do you think I'm struggling with forming these boundaries and showing the line? One of the reasons some of us um, are afraid is because we fear that we will never see our child again. We're worried that if we set the boundary our child will disappear um, and if they know that we're not there for them they might be tempted to go into prostitution live on the streets um, we, we can't imagine we, the visual of him laying on a park bench or in the gutter somewhere um, but let me tell you this is a rule. Typically, addicts do not disappear permanently. They might stay away for days or weeks, but they resurface to ascertain whether their disappearing act has sufficiently scared you into relinquishing the controls you've set up. So they're going to come back and check your boundaries and see if, if you know, oh, well, let's see if I punish mom and dad for not being around for a while. Let's see if they're going to relent. Let's see if they're going to give in a little to my demands, right? So the important thing is to surround yourself with other people so that you can call them and say, oh my gosh, I really want to do this X, Y, Z. I want to bring them in and feed them and give them a home and give them some money. And maybe you have an accountability partner in this, um, in this problem where they can help you stay strong and stay to your boundaries. Um, so the other fear is, you know, the fear of our addict loved one living on the street. Um, we think about, oh my gosh, they're living in filth. They're unhealthy. They could have hepatitis C. And I will tell you that my son had hepatitis C. 
So um, I remember looking at him one time and thinking he was jaundiced, but you know, nothing I could do. But inside my heart was breaking. It was ripping apart. Oh my gosh, he's going to die before me. He is going to die this year. Oh my goodness, he's going to die tomorrow. I mean, their liver, what are they putting in their body? It's all this poison, right? We think, so then we give in to our our boundaries because we care, we love them, we're concerned. Um, And I get it, we're parents, right? Um, Another reason, I found this one to be really interesting. A lot of times, because parents... We have heard that addiction is often hereditary. So if perhaps we've struggled ourselves with addiction, we might feel guilty and responsible and think, well, I'm the one who caused this, so I need to help them out because if it weren't for me, if it weren't for my genes or my um, grandfather who was also an addict, you know, my child wouldn't be struggling with this. And so we kind of feel guilty. And so we want to assume responsibility in a different way. And um, I'm going to pray that if this is you, that you have somebody that you can talk to about this, um, because we didn't cause this. We can't control it. We can't cure it. But if you feel guilty that you are a part of the problem um, because of genetics, um, I want to tell you to stop that. (laughs) You aren't. I don't know how you get to the other side of that, but maybe you can seek out um, a counselor or the next time you go to a, a PAL meeting where you're supported by other parents of addicted loved ones that you can share that and and hopefully have somebody there help you get to the other side of it so I I'm sure that there are a lot of reasons out there Um, for a long time I thought that my son had a learning disability and so I would make excuses for him all the time Um, but even if somebody has a learning disability it should not affect their character. And if you think that a learning disability is a reason for them to use drugs to cope and you feel sorry for them, wow, I've been there, but it doesn't work. It will not serve them well. So the main thing here, I want to... um, help you and and bring you hope in that you figure out what is your reason for not staying on your side of the line, for wanting to cross over. What is your reason for not wanting to give boundaries and set them and be firm with them? What is that? Only you can answer that and everybody has a different reason. But for today, I hope that you will find that reason and maybe pray about it so that you can gain some strength and find support from others who can identify, who can relate to you. God bless and 
good luck on your journey and thanks for joining me today. I hope that this has helped you in some way. If so, please um, mention this to somebody else if there's anybody else out there that um, could use help in coping with their addicted loved one. Take care.